Okay, before I forget, I want to apologize for my fat shaming, which I did two episodes ago. I listened back to myself and I thought, this is horrible, Ting. Yeah, I can't just, I can't just do it anonymously. <laughs> so sorry, Tom. <laughs> what? Because, <laughs> you know, these people are people, right? And he showed me that it's not just McDonald's sauces. You can always use a milkshake as well. Thank you. Oh, McDonald's sauces. Yeah. Szechuan sauce. Do you know this? You, uh, you haven't watched Rick and Morty season three, episode one, have you? No. The whole damn internet is talking about McDonald's Szechuan sauce. This is going to horribly date this episode. It's like, yeah, you're right. The whole damn episode was talking about Szechuan sauce a month ago. Never mind. Is there any more? you going to tell me, give me a punchline or something? No, no spoilers, man. Okay, fine. You can watch it when they show it again. You know what? I actually am quite curious. So some context, Rick and Morty. On April 1st, they said, oh, it's the season premiere of season three. And everyone was like, oh, very funny. We know it's April 1st. And then they showed the season premiere of season three yeah. and everyone lost their minds. And there's a major joke in the episode about McDonald's Szechuan sauce, the, the Mulan teriyaki dipping Szechuan sauce or something. But I'm actually wondering, is it the real season three episode one? Because it doesn't have any of the stuff they showed in the teasers. I actually haven't done any research on this. Maybe they've categorically said it really is the real one. But it's got some quite shocking stuff in it. That's not a surprise. <laughs> True, it is Rick and Morty. No, but you might, you might be onto something. It may not be the real one. I think it would be funny if it was like a double bluff and it really was an April Fool's joke, just a really elaborate one. They made a whole episode just a double secret meta backwards troll everyone on April 1st. Have you picked up the Rick and Morty game. Oh, the VR game. Yeah. No, I haven't. It's just nebulously on my backlog like everything else. Yeah, I, I thought about playing it today, actually. Along with Player Unknown Battlegrounds, all these other games I meant to play today. Instead, I played some more Binding of Isaac. <laughs> and I went to the gym. I was healthy. So that, that's something, at least. So what have you been up to since the last episode? I ate some Easter eggs. I went hiking. I went on a six and a half hour hike. I had minor surgery on my lip and people kept asking if i'd been in a fight <laughs> what did you say <laughs> i was like and you're next no um no i i gave them a proper explanation well i moved i moved to a you moved house and i had to ditch some consoles and i've only kept with me my ps3 and my switch and i've left my pc behind as well which then led to conversation about whether i should get a a graphics card enclosure. So you do have your laptop. No, yeah. wait, but it's your work laptop. This isn't going to do any good. Oh, no, of course. Sorry. You have a Mac laptop. Does yeah. Player Unknown Battlegrounds run on Mac? I don't, I doubt it. I could just boot Windows. Oh, that's true. That's true. But then I need a key. And then I start, I start whispering into the mic about how I get a key. I just buy a key. What am I saying? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know where you're going with this. I, I, you know what, I actually just do just buy Windows, you know, it's just much easier. I'm not, I'm not a filthy pirate anymore. It's just too much effort. It's just too much effort. It is. You know, all they had to do is make the paid option easier than the free option. They just have to make the paid option better than the free option. It's just like Netflix. You know, who uses the Pirate Bay anymore? No one can be asked. There's Netflix. Unless you want to watch HBO. But, you know, there's HBO Go, except in Hong Kong. So... Anyway, you're right. I, I have so much to say, but I can't say it. 
Yeah, if it's not available on Netflix, what can you do? <laughs> not watch it, of course. You know, I was at a meetup yesterday, which... Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we're actually just talking about things we're going to talk about later. But one of the things that came up was people listening to the podcast and then commenting on the food challenges we've done recently. So they were talking about the pizza and the milk. And then they also brought up the Four loco. They were like, did you really drink a can of Four loco?" I was like, yeah. It's like, where do you buy Four loco in Hong Kong? It's like, well, obviously, Hong Tat Medicine and Cosmetic Center down by LKF. And they're like, oh, I'm going to go there after this. I was like, you do that. You know, maybe we should do more food challenges. Maybe this is the way forward. Fine. Hot pepper gaming, here we come. Hot pepper gaming. We're after you. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me today. Well, I have to say myself. Sir Michael. And. Tingathy. My therapist. Yeah, but. Are you still uh, my therapist? Yeah, but I'm going to be out of a job soon. You'll be out of a job soon. Oh. I'll find a new role. Lucky you. You can be my dietitian. <laughs> today it will be pizza and milk. Do we, do we have to say oh, we're a book club of games, but not today? I guess it's kind of pointless saying we're a book club of games, but not today. Today we're just talking about stuff. So, yes, the meetup. Mario Kart 8, really. It, you know, it wasn't a Mario Kart 8 meetup. Actually, no, it was a Mario Kart meetup. It was Mario Kart on the SNES. The retro game lovers in Hong Kong. So we meet up on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. And on the fifth as well, if there is a fifth Tuesday like there is this month. The first meetup is often at the Globe in mid-levels. This is just like an advert. You have to be living in Hong Kong. Are we doing some... <laughs> Have you got some other deal going on that I don't know about? Yeah, they're giving me kickbacks. They're giving me kickbacks. No, they've got no money either. So at the Globe, usually someone will bring a games console. And this week, Maurice of Ataku Games bought his Super Famicom. And so we were playing like multi-tap Bomberman. So five-player Bomberman, Super Mario Kart and Street Fighter 2 and Puzzle Bobble and just a load of old SNES games on an actual real SNES. Do they all make use of the multi-tap? No, not all of them. Only Bomberman was five-player. Everything else was just two. So we had to tag in and out. But we had those cool 8-bit do wireless SNES controllers. Have you seen those? No. So it's pretty cool. You get these... Well, they, they made them before. They made these like replica Super Nintendo controllers that were Bluetooth. And then they also made kind of wireless dongles for the actual SNES. So it looks like a SNES controller connector but it just has no wire attached to it and you plug it into the SNES's actual controller port and it will just wirelessly connect to one of these bluetooth controllers it can actually connect to like a ps3 controller or a wiimote as well but it was obviously originally designed for their own controllers and yeah it's quite cool so we were just playing with wireless SNES controllers on an actual how long ago is the SNES now like 30 year old <laughs> SNES it can't be 30 years old oh, no, no. 20 20, yeah. 20 surely 25 I don't know Something between 20 and Something 25. <laughs> Old enough to go to college. How horrifying is that? But while this was going on, a bunch of us had also brought our Switches. So we had a Switch party with the young hip 20-somethings, you know, as you do. It wasn't on the rooftop. There was no one called Karen. But we had all our Switches set up on the table around the couch and we were playing Mario Kart 8. Okay, now tell me about that. Oh, there's so many questions I have about Mario Kart 8. Well, you played it because I brought it around to your new flat. Yeah. What do you think of it? I really like it as a multiplayer game. To be clear, 
Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is on the Switch. And neither of us has played Mario Kart 8, which was on the Wii U. But yeah, I enjoyed it too. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it's a fun multiplayer game. It's actually quite fun single player as well, I guess, but it's not the same, obviously. It's not the same. You say obviously, but why? Yeah, a lot of the fun of Mario Kart in multiplayer comes from the chaos and social anarchy that ensues when, oh yeah, we're all friends, but now I've got a blue shell and it would be a shame to not use it. I mean, that would be letting it go to waste, so... Can you not use a blue shell? Well, you can just not fire it. Well, you got to fire it. Well, you got to fire it, yeah. you're blocking yourself. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, on my Switch, the person on my left with I'd never met them before. They were just someone at the meetup. And I was like, do I fire this red shell at them? Because they are in first and I'm in second and I would like to be in first, but is it rude to fire a red shell at a lady you've only just met? Yeah, there's a lot of unwritten etiquette. Well no, I just shot the red shell. <laughs> How did she feel about that? She was very good about it. <laughs> there was also a brief like tussle because we both wanted to be Isabel, the dog from <laughs> Animal Crossing. Cause I was because she was like, Oh, I want to be Isabel. I was like, oh sorry. I always play as Isabel because when I when we started it, my characters were already selected Isabel because it's like my default. And I was like, "It's okay, you can be Isabel." Isabel's so cute. So the death stare just isn't isn't just in the game; it's also in real life. The Luigi death stare. <laughs> and we did have some classic blue shell moments, like the guy on my right who was in first place until I find the blue shell. And then I was in first place, and he finished last. Sorry. <laughs> You're not sorry. You're enjoying it too much. <laughs> yeah. But these things happen. I mean, it happened to me as well. You so, know, so swings and roundabouts. One of the questions I wanted to ask was, what are the multiplayer options? How do they scale? Yeah, so it's interesting. You can play, well, on one Switch, you can play up to four people. So either clustered around it in tabletop mode, or if it's docked, obviously, you can have it on a big screen. If you are playing by connecting multiple switches together, you can connect up to four switches and two people per switch. Okay. So you can have a maximum of eight people. We had only three switches with us. So we were playing six player multiplayer, two on each switch. That's still good. It's still good. It was, it was very fun. It was, was actually really fun. Was it very easy to set up? Yeah, it was really easy to set up. I mean, you literally just say, wireless mode i think yeah and then it just says join a room or create a room and as soon as someone clicked create a room it just appeared on all the other switches and we just joined it this is clearly a killer feature of the switch if you are young and hip but geeky enough to go to pubs while carrying a game console it is actually really fun i would definitely do this again i would be really interested in doing this as well for splatoon 2 when that comes out so i read the problem with the problem with news these days is i'm never sure if it's real if it's fake news yeah fake news so i read that and i've I've linked it here so you can validate my fake news it's that it's the fastest selling mario kart game in the franchise oh yeah i, I heard that too now, you know we could be both reading fake news we it's... could both be reading fake news yeah i mean it was on the site called the onion i think it's quite no obviously it wasn't it was business wire they sound serious i think i've read real news from them before so it bodes well it does bode well. I mean, the Switch is selling very well. I think people weren't quite sure how it was going to work out. I'm very happy with the Switch. I'm actually always surprised 
by how portable it is. Because when it's docked on your TV, maybe I'm just old fashioned, but the graphics to me, they look really good. They look really good. I mean, I guess it's not as good as like a PS4 or an Xbox One or a PC, obviously, but they're still really good. They're more than acceptable. And then the amazing thing is, it's coming out of this tiny sliver of a machine and you can just pick it up and walk away with it. Oh, that's amazing, that thing. It is incredible. And it is really great to be able to just say, oh, okay, I'm just going to take it with me and then take it to a pub and prop it up on the table. But have you ever run out of battery yet? I have run out of battery, yes. When I was sat in the back of like a four-hour car journey playing Breath of the Wild. But, you know, what do you expect? It's not magic. Did you have a battery pack at the time? Well, I think finding a battery pack that can charge a switch is quite difficult at the moment, though I think it supports USB power delivery. So if you've got a battery pack that can output like 15 to 20 volts and you've got USB-C to USB-C, so it actually supports the power delivery standard, I think you can actually just power the switch from it. So people are starting to come out with battery packs that support all the required standards and have all the required ports. So soon it will be a non-issue probably. Okay. I've had one instance where it ran out of battery and I was surprised. I wasn't expecting it. That's the only thing that I've issue I've had with it so far. So you mostly play it in handheld mode? No, I wouldn't say that. 25% of the time okay. it's handheld. Okay. I mean, for me, the overwhelming majority of the time is spent docked. But still, I, I very much appreciate being able to take it with me. One last thing. Have you played any online multiplayer? Not yet. It's interesting because I can see that you get like an ELO rating or something. So when you look at your stats, it says, you know, single player, local multiplayer, and then online multiplayer and your relative rank. Actually, I don't know what my relative rank is. I should check what it is for local multiplayer, at least, because I think I actually did quite well. How does it know it's you? Oh, because I'm signed in as my character. So if I've got the player one controller, then it's it's me. How does it know you've got the player one controller? Well, obviously, I'm just holding the player one controller. I mean, it doesn't know, but I'm... It's me. I'm just arranging that I'm always player one. And also, how does it know the the ability of your? I guess it's not a real rating. It's just how it's just how you've done relative to the people you've played against okay. locally. So I guess it's just for your own personal interest. But the the online rankings probably are proper ones. I mean, just to give a rundown then of my performance at multiplayer, please. So and, we, and then we can compare it to reality and um, and your own perception <laughs> later on of the six of us playing. There was definitely one guy who was better than me. So in the first Grand Prix set we did, I came second or third a lot. And then he went off and just had a drink and someone else swapped in for him. And after that, I was first or second a lot. So I'm strong, but I was not the strongest racer there. Battle mode, I had a really, really good first round. Like I just like took out everyone. And then... The subsequent rounds, I was just kind of fannying about and just having more fun and rather being trying to be a killing machine. So I did less well, but I still actually won overall just because I had that outrageously good first round. And then there was, there's actually loads of modes. So there's a really funny mode called Renegade Roundup, which I was really bad at, but it was really fun. So it just splits you into two teams, a red team and a blue team. Cops and robbers? It's literally cops and robbers. So... If you are on the robber side, you've got to escape the law. And if you're on the cop side, you've got giant piranha plants on the front of your car and you've got to try and eat them. And if you eat one of the robbers, they go into jail and the other robbers have to try and drive to the jail and break them out. It's really actually 
really fun much more fun than i expected it's like all this chaos like where are they because they don't show up on your map obviously so oh i think i saw them near here and it's like they're going for the jail stop them it was good fun but you need a lot of people as in even four people would probably be because if you're playing four people locally it probably isn't quite as fun because you can screen watch and stuff whereas up to eight people on four switches actually it'd probably be really fun or maybe online multiplayer too yeah it's good stuff i just i need i need more switch friends to justify buying Mario Kart. Well, you could always come to these meetups. Yeah, I should. Yeah, but you know, I know you actually have a real life. Your and life is real as well. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've got you've got proper grown up responsibilities. You're not hanging around with millennials in the pub. I wouldn't mind hanging around millennials in a pub. That sounds quite nice to me. Yeah, obviously I'm having fun. I just wanted to add that Mike is better than me at Mario Kart. Well, duh. Did did I need to be said? <laughs> <laughs> It is my game, though, you know. I, w- I would feel really shocked if you were, like, a Mario Kart savant and just beat me at it despite having, you know, not owned the game and just picking it up randomly. True, true. I didn't put an order to this, so what do you want to talk about next? Oh, I don't know. It's never occurred to me. Do, would it make more sense to talk about the Zelda DLC? Since we're talking about Nintendo? Yes. Yeah, why not? So, you have been able to buy the Breath of the Wild DLC for some time now because they've had the season pass for sale on the eShop, but they finally announced what is in the first DLC. And, I don't know, I think it's quite good. I mean, it's not, it's not blowing me away, let's run, but no, nor is it disappointing me. Let's run through what's in the DLC. Okay. So there's the Hero's Path, which tracks where you've been in the last 200 hours on, on the map? Yeah, I think that's really neat. So it will just show where you have walked in the past 200 hours. The thing that it makes me think is, is it already tracking this information and it's just going to display it? Or will it start from when you install the DLC? But that's a weird expectation. If it's expecting people to only care after they've installed, to play another 200 hours after installing the DLC. Well, I mean, it's it. they are thinking for the future, I guess, but it would be cool if it already is tracking it. It wouldn't surprise me if they were already tracking it, to be honest. That'd be very cool. Trial of the Sword? I haven't even got the Master Sword, so this one's really for you. You still haven't got the Master Sword? No. Uh, I know it's in the Lost Woods. Okay, you know where it is now. But I don't know where the Lost Woods is. So Trial of the Sword is a dungeon with... 45 rooms you go into the dungeon naked it says with no equipment and you have to fight your way through and if you make it to the end of the dungeon then your reward is that the master sword is at full power all the time but there's nothing in between what do you mean i thought there was something in between so if you did 35 rooms you'd get something still oh i don't know about that i don't know about that the only thing i know for sure is that the reward for finishing it is that your master sword is fully powered up so just some context for this. I mean, this is, a, I guess, a mild spoiler, but it's been months since Breath of the Wild is out. It, I mean, it's barely a spoiler. It's like a gameplay mechanic. The Master Sword, when you get it, is... Well, it doesn't break because it's the Master Sword and there's only one of them, but it will lose its power and then you can't use it for a bit until it kind of recharges. But it also has two levels of power. So there's the normal power of the Master Sword where it's just like a sword and it's... 30 damage 
Was that it? That's it. Sorry to disappoint. When you're in Hyrule Castle, though, or facing, you know, Ganon, then the Master Sword will basically just become like a lightsaber and it'll be glowing and then it will do 60 damage. Okay. So this Trial of the Sword is saying you can upgrade the Master Sword to do 60 damage all the time, which, you know, no one's going to complain about that. I guess that will help the hard mode, which is... I don't know. I, I, know. <laughs> I don't know. I was waiting for you to explain it as well. Okay. It's harder. So the enemies revive, not revive. Oh, the They're... enemies regenerate health all the time. Yes. And I think the enemies are all ranked up once. Yes. So all the red bokoblins become blue bokoblins, and the blue bokoblins become black bokoblins, and the black bokoblins become silver bokoblins. Yep. So yes. On and, so on. and there are flying enemies? This I don't know about. Okay, I'm not sure if this is specifically in hard mode or just an addition of the DLC, but I think there are enemies on, like, floating platforms held up by balloons. I thought I saw a screenshot of it. I might have just hallucinated it. Okay. The next one is the Travel Medallion. I think this is cool. This is kind of reminiscent of Morrowind or, like, an Elder Scrolls game. So you can just arbitrarily put down a travel gate on the map. So anywhere you want, you can just register it as a fast travel point. But once. Then, yes. Well, I say once. I assume you can move it around, but you can only have one place marked. Finally, maybe the most interesting of the new additions is the new outfits. Depends depends on who you are. <laughs> wait, wait. The most interesting. Well, I guess you have many more fashion options now. There's a, there's a Korok mask, which actually has a function. So it vibrates when you are near a Korok seed. There's the Tingle outfit. Which, have you seen the Tingle outfit? <laughs> which looks ridiculous. Ridiculous. As it should. I'm surprised Tingle has made it this far. He's such a ridiculous character. <laughs> what was Tingle's first appearance? Is it Wind Waker? Is he in before? Yeah, he was in Majora's Mask, wasn't he? Yeah. He's the 30... <laughs> 30-something fairy failure. Yeah, he's just waiting uh. for his fairy to show up. To show that he's a real Kakiri child of the forest. And he's a bit creepy. I'm surprised he's made it this far in the sh- in the <laughs> he's franchise. A bit creepy. <laughs> they do like that though. They do like weird, creepy characters. A lot of Zelda characters are quite creepy, like the Happy Mask Salesman, for example. Yes. Or I'm trying to think who's creepy in Breath of the Wild. Beetle's a bit creepy. No, no. He's just he's I- a bit simple. <laughs> he's a bit too earnest. I've not know. I've not played enough Breath of the Wild. I don't think. You're quite in tune with Reddit and all that, right? Is Gerudo Abs a thing? Gerudo Abs? Yeah. I've not seen this. I Maybe mean, I'm not as in touch with Reddit as I thought. I saw, I saw a shirt saying, you know, I'm on my way to my Gerudo Abs. I thought, huh, so is this a thing on the internet now? I don't think it's a huge thing. Because those abs thing. are ridiculous. Do they have some amazing abs? Yes. Okay, I hadn't really noticed, but I'm quite bad at things like that. What what other outfits are left? So there's the Majora's Mask. Yes, Majora's Mask. And then there's also a Phantom outfit, like in Phantom Hourglass, and Midna's Helmet, like in Twilight Princess. And they're purely cosmetic. But fashion souls. I was playing last night and I, I chose an outfit just because it looked better than what I was best. I, I find myself often wearing the Rito headdress or like the diamond circlet because they just both you can see my fabulous hair and what else 
<laughs> and what else? Nothing else. I'm just naked. <laughs> yeah, you know, gotta get a load of those abs. No, the I often wear the hero's tunic just because it's you know the utility of it. Boots. Less fussed about the boots. I've actually started wearing the ninja outfit quite a lot as well. That's really cool. Have you have you bought that? The Sheikah outfit. The stealth one. The stealth one. No, no. It, number one, you look like a freaking ninja. Ten points for that alone, and then also you can just sneak up on everything. You just sneak up on everything. Like, think you can just practically like run up to things, and they just don't notice you. And they're like, oh, and then you just stab them. Oh, you ruined it for me. <laughs> I think that's that sounds too powerful. It, it is very handy. So you've got all the mounts you need. Well, I <laughs> we we already discussed my chocolate themed horses. The next DLC is supposed to be a story DLC. Yes. Are you still going to be playing Link, or is it actually like from another perspective? I assumed you were playing as Link. So another dungeon, another story. I didn't make a note of anything else. Another twenty-five percent because it said another dungeon. Question mark. They do mention. Oh no, that's a spoiler. Okay, never mind about that. <laughs> I was about to like reveal ending spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. I have nothing more to say. Have you got it? What the DLC? No, no. Well, they just announced it. I mean, it's not released yet, is it? You could pre... doesn't stop you from buying it. Oh, I've got... I've already got so many things. I don't need to buy more things that I'm not going to quite guarantee. You know, I haven't even played the Dark Souls 3 second DLC. And I bought the season pass for that. I haven't even played that yet. That's what I should have done today. I've been having to fastidiously avoid all Dark Souls 3 spoilers. Because obviously everyone else has played it now. And I've been just having to be... You know, just not reading any of the Dark Souls Reddits or YouTube will suggest to me, oh, how about this video about the Ring City? I'm like, no, 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 no spoilers. You're taking it quite seriously. Yeah. Makes me smile. Good. This is good. There's stuff you care about still. Well, you say that, but I don't quite have the energy to actually play it because Dark Souls 3 is actually quite draining <laughs> to play. So I don't quite feel up to playing it, but... I equally don't want to be spoiled yet. So once I've built up the internal reserves of grit required to play Dark Souls, <laughs> yeah, then I'll give it a go. Okay. Anyway. Talking of games that need internal reserves of grit to play. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. So this is an early access game that came out in April, or maybe end of March? Something like that. So we sold 2 million copies already. Oh man, you say, like, what, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my life? I should be making stuff like this. I would say, like, I totally had the idea for this, but so did everyone else. I mean, it is quite an obvious idea. So what is the idea? Have you seen Battle Royale? Yes. It's Battle Royale. We both knew that. That was a fake stage question. So it is literally a battle royale. Well, you can play as a solo player. You can play as a team of two. You can play as a team of four. 100 enter and only one team leaves. So it can be a 100 man free for all battle or a 50 team battle or a 25 team battle. Only one team can be victorious or one person. I don't know why this one's blown up. Is it because... The, the map is dynamic and it's shrinking all the time to keep the game moving at, at a pace and 
Each that, game lasts around, you know, half an hour rather than what I've heard is they can drag on for over hours. That is the thing, because many people have tried to capture the essence of this kind of game before. I mean, it's really topical. If you think Battle Royale, the movie, was a long time ago. That would have been like 2001 or something. I, I remember watching it at Freshers Week at university and it causing a mild stir because people were like, oh... If I got put in an island like that, I would just like curl up and die. I couldn't kill someone. I'd be like, oh, it's kill or be killed. Well, actually, I didn't use that phrase because that's from Undertale and that's an anachronism. But it would still be like, yeah, you know, I'd fight to the death. What are you going to do? Anyway, certainly a cultural artifact. And then more recently, The Hunger Games, another let's send a bunch of kids to an island to kill each other. It's kind of messed up that these things are so popular, but these things are clearly popular. So... Many people have tried to capture the essence of those games. There have been Minecraft mods for it. There have been... What was that other one? There's like King of the Hill or... There, there's definitely another... Uh, the name escapes me for the moment, but H- there is... H1Z1? Well, H1Z1... Or DayZ. Which one? H1Z1, DayZ are both zombie survival games. Oh, no, they're not. Rather than explicit oh, arena what you mean. killers. But you're right, they definitely fall into the same kind of subgenre. I'd even put Ark into that same kind of category. Kill or be killed, there's your tribe, there's your team, and there's everyone else. There is definitely another one that is explicitly a Hunger Games style arena where like eight people enter and only one can survive. I can't remember what it's called for the moment, but still. This one is very much like Battle Royale. Explicitly like Battle Royale. There is an island Many, many, many people enter, and then there is an ever-shrinking safe zone. So in Battle Royale, this is enforced by all of the children wearing explosive collars, and if they are in a danger zone, then the collar explodes, and obviously it kills them, because it's round their neck. So they are all given a map, and they're told, you know, the danger zones are going to be activated here, here, and here, and so they get forced into an ever-decreasing area, and have to obviously fight to death. And player unknown battlegrounds are the same. You all get dropped out of a plane at the start. You can parachute down to somewhere on the island. Obviously, if you're a team, you should obviously try and land together. And then there is essentially a gigantic kind of force field dome that is shrinking over the course of the game. So it will shrink from covering the entire island to after 30 minutes, you know, the size of a building or something, a very small size. So it forces all the players together. So it doesn't have the same issues that, say, DayZ had, where you kind of want to go and have like this fight for survival, but maybe you and the other people on the other side of the island, you're just never going to meet each other. So here, the match is going to last 30 minutes, because by the end of 30 minutes, it forces you to be next to each other, or you die. So it's really punchy. It's got the It's got the energy of... Like the Battle Royale film. It's really surprising that no one has actually done this exact thing before. I mean, it is in hindsight such an obvious thing. And many, many people have been trying to make a game that captures this energy. And they've done it. There's no loadout, right? You have to go in blind with nothing. And yeah, you, you, you jump out the plane with a parachute and a, your underpants. That's it. You've got nothing. And you have to find all the equipment, all the guns. You've got to loot houses. You've got to like find vehicles and try and outrun the force field shrinking. Why are you compelled? I thought about this and I'm compelled because there's no kill count there's no KD ratio I can just I can just not show up for the first 25 minutes and the last 5 minutes be a hero you, you totally can you can totally just hide and then try and kill the last guy but you are in an ever shrinking circle so 
at the beginning, it, you will be quite safe unless you happen to have the misfortune or poor judgment to land with another team. But after, you know, 10 minutes, you've got 100 people and it's shrinking. You're going to be forced into proximity with them and they're going to want to kill you. I mean, it is kill or be killed. <laughs> Sorry, you're just channeling Flowey. Yeah, at me. At you. <laughs> Why? Why what? You said you might play this today. Oh, because it's a day off and I meant to play it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But why this, you know, above other things? Why Why is this grabbing you? I really like the film Battle Royale. I really like the film and books of the Hunger Games. I think there is just something, there, there is some like primal thing it's tapping into. You know, that's why these films and books are so popular. And this game seems to have managed to capture that essence too. Everyone's playing it. I mean, you were interested in playing it too, except that you don't have a device that can play it for the moment. I think, yeah, I think there's just something about it. You know, people kind of want to test themselves. And it's like, I would absolutely not want to be put on some battle royale fight to the death on an island. (laughs) But in a game, that's totally fine. And the other thing I think it does well is, unlike other games like this, even like if you think about it even to some extent like counter-strike is like this you know it's just like multiple rounds kill or be killed high energy but counter-strike you might get headshot in the first five seconds of the match and then you just got to sit there while the rest of the match plays out if this one you're on solo queue you get killed in the first five seconds just requeue again you don't have to wait for the game to finish so it doesn't have that dead time either that a lot of other kind of similar games have if you're on a team then you should wait for the rest of your team. But you can spectate. So you can actually look at them, but you can, you've can you got your own view of it. You can spot things that they might not have seen. They'd be like, there's someone behind you. I just saw them. Like, you know, they might not have seen it, but you can say on voice comms and they'll know to spin around and try and shoot this guy. I've definitely seen that on Let's Play Vids where their teammates have been watching their screen as well and have spotted things that they haven't seen. So it looks really fun. It looks really tense. Are you not deterred by having to learn a whole new game to be competitive? Or are you happy being? I gave up on my dreams of being a professional gamer a long time ago. You know, I don't expect to come first. I just expect to have a good time. And I think a lot of it is luck too. You could get a really good weapon. You could get just a good spawn and circle placement. Like it might just be that as the dome shrinks, it happens to be shrinking around the centre of where you currently are. And then everyone's going to kind of come to you and you can just pick them off because you're already in a defensible position. You know, you can be lucky. All sorts of things. So it's like the difference between COD and Battlefield and why some people really like one or the other. I quite like Battlefield because I'm kind of rubbish. If you're bad at COD, it's really frustrating because... Everyone else is getting kill streaks, and you're just like dying in five seconds, and you just feel like an idiot. And all the people who are really good are just like, yeah, it's amazing, I'm just dominating, whatever. Battlefield, by contrast, so much is going on, there's so many angles. You can't just like, oh, I know the spawn points, I know the rotation, I'm just going to like move around the map in this like order and pick people off. You can't do that, there's just too much going on. And so, as someone who doesn't intimately know the map and isn't like going to be dominating it's just much more fun because it's, it feels like a more level playing field there's a chaos of war and again i think the map is so big and there's just so many things going on and there's so many possibilities of where people could be and there's no respawning either 
that you know it feels like a fairer thing i don't think you have to worry about being the best in that sense are you going to play it are you going to play it once you get your machine back it's going to be a few months till you get your machine back yeah, and though, it's isn't getting it? perilously close to b-day yeah when you have to be sensible and it's fine you'll have paternity leave no <laughs> that's what i said it's all right i have other friends who want to play it too you can be off the hook but you need to you need to create a group on steam so i can just go in and just be part of and then be ready so i have I have ready-made friends ready-made friends the, the, you know the, the worry is that i'm just too rubbish and i'm just too far behind i'm just going to be a dead weight to you guys yeah, I did find that when I played Battlefield, I was a dead weight for some time because it's very squad heavy. And yeah, I never actually played these games as much as some of my other friends. So I did often find that I was <laughs> letting the side down ratio wise. That's why I would often be a medic. Here I can just be a distraction. <laughs> it's all right. There'll, there'll be you to deflect attention from me. They'll be like, yeah, Mike's not great, but that Ting fellow... No, not for the first time. I'm there just to make you look good. (laughs) Let's talk about Phoenix Point. I had no idea this game existed until I got these show notes. So this is Julian Gollop trying to create a spiritual successor to XCOM. How did you find out about this? Not Reddit games. Oh. Yeah, I've been busy. I actually haven't been reading that much Reddit recently. That's a good thing. I suppose so. Yeah, so back in the distant past, the Gollop brothers. I think it was brothers. I can't I remember always, who the other one is. I always thought it was brothers. I think maybe one of them has bowed out of the industry. Anyway... One of the original creators of XCOM, which means essentially one of the original creators of the genre. Which he, he, which he admits himself. Well, I think you've got to blow your own trumpet a bit. And to be clear, there have been many attempts to recapture the magic of the original XCOM. There have been many spiritual successes to XCOM. And I don't really think any of them has quite done it. So... There's obviously the official sequels to XCOM, one of which is basically a reskin, Terror from the Deep. There were a whole series of games, UFO, I can't remember exactly what they're called, like Aftershock and Afterlight, and there's a whole series of those. There is Xenonauts, a kickstarted, fan-driven spiritual successor, and of course, the recent Firaxis sequels or reboot essentially of XCOM but the thing is a lot of these well maybe not so much the Aftershock Afterlight series but the majority of them have actually stuck very close to the original original story of XCOM and so I think it always feels like there's something slightly missing which is the discovery like the one of the really interesting things I found when I first played XCOM was the UFOpedia and having to research the aliens and find out the lore and the backstory of them and like never quite knowing what was going on. Well, like you shoot down a UFO and it's bigger than you've seen before. And then you turn a corner and you see an alien and it's an alien you've never seen before. You know, then you're thinking, wait, 
what is this one actually going to do? And then it will like, you know, use psychic powers or maybe it's got a new kind of weapon that you've never seen. That kind of experience. I feel like all of the games so far have been kind of aping the original XCOM too much. And they haven't really evolved the genre. At best, they have streamlined it by taking on elements of things like Final Fantasy Tactics. So they've moved away from time units to this kind of two action system, which is much more like a Japanese tactical RPG, uh, which is much easier to understand and much less mentally taxing. But I think it has streamlined out a lot of the finer elements of the gameplay. So Phoenix Point, Phoenix Point is a completely new tactical geo management UFO XCOM spiritual successor by the original dude and the story is kind of like the Aftershock and Afterlight games I guess where there is some mysterious pathogen that has mutated everyone and it's set essentially after the fall of civilization and the remnants trying to fight back the invasion in many ways this kind of makes more sense it was actually very odd before why once it becomes apparent that the aliens are a real threat that you're so relatively underfunded it's like wait the aliens are a real threat and they're sending freaking giant battleships to actually attack cities why are we having to try and shoot them down with our fleet of two planes why don't you just mobilize the army or launch a nuke at them so this kind of makes the story make more sense in the sense that you're all there is and then there are some particular evolutions of the mechanics of the game that sound very interesting so they're explicitly talking about well obviously procedure generated terrain and buildings and destructible terrain and buildings which is all stuff that was in the original but now they're talking about procedural generation of the aliens as well depending on your battle tactics yes so i mean they showed aliens and like swapping out limbs and heads and things and it's like aliens might have claws or maybe they'll like have a shield instead of an arm so you can imagine if you're like very heavily using like sniper weapons maybe then maybe they'll like develop really heavily armored carapaces or something or if you're very heavy on melee then maybe they'll i don't know you know you can see they had like more humanoid claws, heads or bigger more, claws <laughs> more claws bigger claws yes so it looks good i mean it, they've been working on it for a year they're looking to release it next year 2018 i'm certainly interested so they talked about having vehicles is that something that was in the original XCOM? not in the way they're describing they're talking about vehicles that you can put squad members in and drive around in i think and no the original XCOM you had kind of mobile weapons platforms but you couldn't ride around in them they were just autonomous tanks essentially is there anything more we need to say about the game to say about the game itself, I mean, they do mention explicitly this willpower system. So they're saying they're going to use the you know, like two-action system that the new XCOMs have used, but there will be this willpower system, which will kind of let you spend willpower points on actions as well. So it won't be quite as clear-cut as you can move and you can take an action. It will be you can spend willpower, which I presume regenerates differently. So maybe you can really go all in on one turn and then you'll have to like dial back on the next few while it regenerates. So maybe there will be a bit more of the time unit kind of strategy in there as well. I wonder if they'll fix the problem with having, you know, 80% shots, not really being 80% shots. They should just remove it. If it's 80%, it should just present itself as 100%. 
<laughs> it's noting because it's really 80 percent. this is like this is like logical fallacies like it's 80 percent, so of course it should hit no 80 percent means that 20 percent of the time it's gonna miss who wants to operate in a world like this grown-ups it should round it up to near as 100 <laughs> percent that that is the problem though i mean i think I, I don't actually think it's the percentage chance failing. I think it's just that it looks so ridiculous because in a game like Final Fantasy Tactics, for example, it's all kind of quite cartoonish anyway. So when something's got a 95% chance to hit, but it's that 5%, you know, the characters will really exaggeratedly dodge out the way. Like they'll literally just like slide sideways. The sword misses them and slide back. So, you know, you've kind of got a lot of suspension of belief anyway. It's, you know, you're not expecting it to look realistic, but... With the recent XCOM games in particular, they try to make it look quite cinematic. And when you've got a 95% chance to hit with an automatic weapon and you're in front of an alien and you shoot and it's that 5% chance that comes up, which is 1 in 20. I mean, it's not actually that unlikely. And your character goes, and just like fires this gun and he manages to like fire like a perfect circle around the alien. Yes, it looks completely ridiculous. And there's no way that in reality anyone would really do this. But <laughs> there you go. I do think there needs to be a bit of a balance there, but I don't think it necessarily should be in the way of changing the numbers. Maybe they should just make the animations look more realistic. They could find a, a better way to represent that 5% chance that maybe your gun should jam or something rather than <laughs> you like freaking out and firing into the air. Can't have gun jamming all the time. Yeah, you'd have to mix it up. Well, it's only 5% of the time. It's that's, not going to be all the time. It's only going to be when it, when the game engine determines that this would look completely ludicrous, then it should be like, let's use one of these low probability animations instead. Can we move on to the platform? Yes, we can move on to the platform. I, I was going to wonder, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about it. Yeah, we should. So this is on Fig, which allows you not only to pledge to a game, you can invest in a game. I had never heard of this place before. I, this is one of those things where I had always thought there should be something that lets you actually invest for equity in a game. I'd be interested in doing that. And now I've discovered that there is. How many games have been launched on this platform? I mean, is this one of the first? Or has it been around ages and I just missed it? I only saw six on the front page. And Pillars of Eternity 2 is on there. Oh, okay. Maybe I had heard of it, but I just never looked into it. Interesting. The thing is, just because of where we work, I don't think we can actually invest in it because there's lots of funny rules about owning shares in companies and stuff. And also looked at how you would invest. You have to register your interest. You have to register your interest. And then if enough people register an interest, then they essentially form a company explicitly to offer the shares out, I think. So anyone can register interest. It sounds like it, but then you have to complete a load of investor documentation, and I think it's all done out of the US, so it probably will become quite complicated. I imagine that in practice, you probably have to be a US citizen for it to really work out. I looked at the profit distribution, Nate. Did you read about this? I, I skimmed it. So it's the first 25% up to 1.36 of... Up to 1.26 times the amount of money that was raised for that company... Fig takes 50% of the profits. So until Fig has made back 1.26 times the money that they gave the company to make the game, they will take 50% of the profits of the game. 
And then from that point up until some other percentage, which I can't remember, is that th- maybe that's the three times. Yeah, three times. Then they take 25% of the profits of the game. Or until three years after the game is released or something. There's, some, yep. there's like some time horizon on it. It's those two, yeah. So potentially, if you could imagine if the game made a huge amount of money, actually sounds quite good. I mean, I don't really know. I don't from, really. From whose perspective? Well, from my perspective as an investor. But having said that, I don't know what cut you get of it versus fig as well as an investor still certainly interesting it's certainly interesting would you use it to fund your next game would i use to fund my next game i doubt my next game would get this kind of interest that this one has you can just ask for 10 a tenth of the amount not 10 times the amount <laughs> ask for a tenth of the amount. i don't need a tenth of the amount that's the thing i wouldn't give up i wouldn't give up control of sir michael enterprises for some oh, i don't know it's true to, how, to much do I, how much money do i need yeah, I don't know. I think I'd probably have to make a game first. I think Mario Maker Maker is not really going anywhere, and neither is the shooter. And I was saying I should make... Yeah, I've just got this list of games I wanted to make, and I just have not done any work towards making any of them. I should probably uh, try and change that. You want that Chris Roberts money. That's what you want. Chris Roberts money? What's Chris Roberts money? Star Citizen money. Oh. Yeah, I'll have $100 million, please. And then I might just disappear... No, no, no. Well, I haven't said that. Everyone's got their price. $100 million is a crazy amount of money. That's insane. How is the game not finished yet? No, I'm joking. It, it does look very good. I don't know if it plays very well. I don't know whatever happened to my $20 pledge that I backed them with years ago. You got deprioritized a long time. <laughs> They're not talking to the $20 pledges. That's right. That's right. It's like, yeah, your $20 now earns you a screw on this battle cruiser. Your your name has been engraved on it in very small but very high definition texture. It's not our problem. You can't view it on your low res screens. Come back to us when you have more money. <laughs> on that note, I guess we're done. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. Or on whatever other podcast app you listen to. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club on twitter at lostlevelsclub on youtube where we still have no catchy url and may never have because you need 100 subscribers for a custom url that's it there's reddit oh sorry and reddit slash r slash lostlevelsclub what do you what are you grateful for i'm grateful that we're going to see guys of the galaxy 2 tonight I'm actually really excited about Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I actually really, really liked Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm waving my arms around in the air right now. I mean, you obviously can't see this on the podcast, but like, I'm flailing my arms about. April is too, and I don't get it. You don't get it? I don't get it. Did you like Guardians of the Galaxy 1? I liked it, yes. I liked it. I really liked the soundtrack as well. I really liked the soundtrack. I re- right now, I've got in my head the, I can't stop this feeling. You know, like the, ooh, good chat. Yeah. So good. So Michael says bye. Bye Bye-bye.